Bench Racing Radio. Bench Racing Radio. The podcast with your hosts, Eric Gio and Anthony Leake. How's it going today, Anthony? It's going pretty good. How about you? I'm uh, doing okay. Also got Max on here for the intro today. How you doing there, Mad Max? Living the dream. Yeah, boy. Um, uh, what's uh, what's new in the world of racing for you, boys? Well, unfortunately, not uh, not some good stuff to start us off. You know, un- unfortunately, we did hear recently about the passing of uh, Richie Rogers. Uh, I know he was pretty close to you. Uh, a lot of guys at the track knew him. I worked with him at the track. You know, he was a great guy. Uh, unfortunately, gone too soon. Same along with um, our friend. Well, I can't really say our friend, but uh, somebody big in the motorsports community, uh, Ken Block. We recently heard yeah. he passed away from a, a snowmobile accident. Yeah, I heard that here just as we were recording, and uh, that's a that's a tough one for uh, for a lot of people, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Richie. Uh, Richie is a guy. Uh, really, really funny dude. Really talented engine builder too. Mm-hmm. And a bit of a wild man, if ever you got him partying. Yeah, <laughs> he was funny. But, uh, but you know, kind of an inspiration of a guy who he started out just working, um, working at a speed shop, you know, learning, became a master engine mechanic, and uh, and then just worked his way up. He started out racing a little bit of uh, enduro stuff and chased this crazy dream that everybody probably would have told him you never could have done to uh, to race a a full-blown sprint car yeah, and uh and and got to do that and got some pretty decent sponsors to help him out and and was just getting to the point where he was competitive uh with the nosa guys here when he unfortunately just ran out of money and, and had to quit altogether you know he, he got to live the dream there for a while and and it's too bad you know you can see that he really he really missed it yeah it was just he was he was happy to help me out get started on my my own journey here sprint car racing recently and uh always uh willing to support me in any way he could with any knowledge you know helping out my engine builder on how to work a magneto or any of that stuff he was always uh, super helpful at that yeah so. you know unfortunately people like that we will miss but thankfully stories will live on forever at least yeah oh no there's there's lots of good richie stories out there <laughs> Make a point of asking about him here this uh, this upcoming season. I'm sure you'll you'll be able to find some. Absolutely. Yeah. But uh, that and then uh, and Ken Block, uh, yeah. I mean, there's the the whole Jim Canna series of all these crazy stunts that he would do to uh, to help grow the you know the interest in motorsports amongst uh, amongst kids is wild i i don't know if we could fully grasp how many people have seen that uh you know how many views those videos would really have and not only that but i remember in in middle school when the first one came out and and i was i was hooked on it and you know every every jim Connor video he had he was always trying to push the envelope a little further and to see like what was his last one doing drifts in a down las vegas strip in a in into a casino like Never would have imagined something like that. Yeah, the creativity of it. It, it took it to a whole other level, right? A whole other art form, really. He did, yeah. 
But uh, and then the control that those guys have, those those drifters are they're incredible. He started out just trying to do rally racing actually, and then uh, they found that he had a really really good uh, control of the drift, and then he kind of just specialized into that. But also, fun fact: he was one of the guys who uh, created DC Shoes. That's why that was one of his uh, main sponsors. Mm, that helps when you have that kind of money behind you. <laughs> it does. It does. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but he they they created that you know him and uh, the other DC the other guy right? yeah yeah you know the guy yeah the guy with the show and he yells about lap he stands on a big laptop you know the one yeah um, let's go with that <laughs> yeah <laughs> but no we'll uh, get back on, on for uh, the boys yep absolutely get back on the, a uh, a bit of a lighter note yeah no it's uh, indoor indoor seasons in full swing uh, they had the Tulsa shootout here just past weekend and crazy amount of entries for that. There was like, there ended up being was over 1300 drivers uh, took a draw, like went to the draw shack and actually showed up to race. I couldn't imagine amongst, uh, a bunch of different classes and crazy, uh, crazy participation in that, that shootout has grown into its own whole thing. That's all done. Uh, they got another, another week here and then they start moving in and start getting their races in for the, uh, the chili bowl. They're qualifying all five nights, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday this year, and then fire up the alphabet soup on uh, on Saturday. And I know you're uh, and, uh, pretty excited for that one. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think it's going to be another good show. It's going to be a little different. It is. Uh, I've got a few people kind of boycotting it this year. Not boycotting, but just deciding to do something different. Uh, Kyle Larson, Christopher Bell, you know, those two guys were always front runners for it, so... Yeah, they're front uh, runners, be, but at the same time, it's nice to give you know the smaller guys, the more local guys, a, a better fighting chance at something bigger. Well, I mean, uh, I, I give them a little bit more credit than that. Those guys showed up last year, and uh, and Tanner Thorson still took the the big trophy home at the end. He he got his golden drillers. So uh, it's not that those guys didn't stand a chance if they were there. They were on their game for a while, both winning a couple back to back. Yep. There's still a lot of really good cars and really good drivers there, so it's gonna be a good one. It is. Can't wait to uh, can't wait to show the flip counter. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We'll get that rocking. How about you, there, Anthony? What's on your radar these days? We got that sled race coming up, and huh, well, is this recording only six or seven weeks from now? Seven weeks from now, and it comes by. It comes through really quick. We picked up our main sponsor. We're just looking for a couple for the twins. And then just kind of getting ready for the season. You know, you don't realize how short winter is until you hit January because we haven't raced since September. And you're like, okay, well, that's, that's, that's four months ago almost already. There's only really three months until I can get out onto the racetrack again. This sled thing kind of is, is, as an in-between thing is I really enjoy it. I enjoy how we put that show together. And I hope the numbers continue to look good, but it actually makes the off season feel much shorter. It's now it's like, okay, well, normally, especially back in emo, it's like, you know, you don't get going until the end of April. So you aren't really thinking about things until end of February, but we're already thinking about things because we got that sled event, which is really great. So that's kind of been the big thing on my mind, watching a lot of racing from this past summer locally here, as if people haven't figured out after 40 plus episodes, I, I'm not much of a racing guy. <laughs> I enjoy my local stuff and I try to pay attention to what's going on in our region. But beyond that, I'm not one to 
to really sit and watch racing from all over the place. I do watch a fair amount of pay-per-view stuff in the spring before our season starts. Uh, and with, when we had the COVID time and in the States, they opened up earlier in the year. We watch a bit of that now, like Cedar Lake when they open up early. And, but yeah, it's even NASCAR. <laughs> I don't watch a lot of that either. So I guess I'm, I mean, if ever you're having trouble sleeping, sure. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, a lot of people suffer from ins- insomnia and I think that's a, an untapped market. <laughs> uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh nap car but yeah no otherwise yeah. you know I, i've been watching some of the kenny wallace stuff about his opinions about things that were happening I, I watched highlights from the dome um and i saw that the flake man get hit in the shin by that mid is it yeah mid, uh micro is that what it is yeah it was yeah. a micro sprint or something and yeah yeah that but, is one cool thing about the chili bowl they still got the flag man on the ground it's like the old days and it turns out fine most of the time yeah. every now and then yeah uh yeah okay unfortunately he was fine he walked away yeah glad it was just a shin yeah could have been a lot worse yeah so those open wheel cars when they hit people it's not pretty yeah that bumper didn't look like it felt real good hitting a shin but no no (laughs) it's just a little love tap and still not great yeah so so yeah that's that's my world really um just trying to get things ready for this sled event and uh look forward to summer already because it's gonna happen fast no, I know every driver knows that feeling of uh, you're watching the Daytona 500, and because it's the only thing on in the wintertime, and that's what you're watching, and yeah, then you realize, oh no, there's only like eight or ten weeks before we have to be racing, <laughs> and I am not ready. Yeah. So yeah, that's a whole uh, whole different thing, and and yeah, the winters the winters are long, but they're always uh, start picking up speed at this point, so. Yeah, it's funny how as the days get longer, the days still, f- they feel shorter. Yeah, there's a weird time thing going on. Yeah, there is. <laughs> yeah, kind of time continuum thing that needs investigating. Yeah, I think it's just because of where we're situated in the hemisphere, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, that, that could be part of it, yeah. Yeah. But uh, no, this is, uh, this is a really good interview here today. Um, had had a good chat with uh, a former promoter, racer, who... Uh, he had a lot to say. It was a really fun chat with him. It was great. I, I really enjoyed it. Hopefully we'll get him back again sometime. He he definitely has the gift to be able to just talk for hours. So He forgot he forgot completely about certain th- parts of the story. Like You should have seen the look on his face when I mentioned the TV show. He was like, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's got <laughs> lots in his back pocket, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So we'll have to pry some more, uh, some more funny stories out of him next time, but... Yeah, no, this is a really good one. So, uh, I don't know. Let's jump into it. All righty. Well, our next guest on Bench Racing Radio is somebody that at one time, I I don't know if I ever would have seen something like this happening. <laughs> uh, the guy was a previous uh, promoter here at Victory Lane Speedway, a uh, racer, and uh, just an all-around uh, huge supporter of dirt racing here in manitoba but uh, awesome to have you on the show here larry uh welcome to the show larry nebel thank you nice to uh, finally get on the show here i know you you've asked me a couple times now and i've never made the schedule work but uh glad to be here yeah i know it's it's uh, great to see you here and uh and great to see you still remain involved in racing here throughout uh throughout such a a, a long time i, I guess What's uh? But you kind of recently, uh, recently got out of it. What's uh? What are you up to these days? Well, I just, uh, I mean, I guess I'm kind of still sort of involved in, uh, in just 
keeping track of how things are going and that I'm, I'm my passion for racing is never going to change. Mm-hmm. Um, took a, you know, took a bit of a break here from, from the racing side of it. That was, it was just kind of a fun thing me and Daryl Hines were doing for a while and, and that, but uh, yeah, I, I moved, um, still got my business, everything, but who knows what the future is going to, going to be, but uh, mm-hmm. you never know. I might show up again one day, maybe in a race car or, with a racetrack, you never know. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, let's uh, let's go back all the way to the start. What? Uh, how did you get involved with racing? Like, what's the first time you ever remember seeing a race? Oh boy. Okay. Well, how long is this show for? <laughs> we try to keep it at an hour. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, I guess my first involvement would be back in '88. That's when I got involved in uh, back then. Pete Bern also on the track and here in Winnipeg, and he hosted an enduro race. I believe that was the, probably the first enduro that I recall they ever did. And um, I, uh, a guy that worked for me, Joe Tates, who raced uh, at the Speedway quite a bit, he got me involved and he said, "Hey, Larry, let's go have some fun. What could it cost?" I remember those words. And uh, what's the worst that could happen? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I built a, uh, I think I had an old, it was a courtesy car, actually, a 74 Catalina. Um, I just remember we ran the crap out of that car, and man, that thing had power and put a, back then, it just needed a basic cage and a door plate, and away we went. I go out for my very first race in my life, and I won it. And you had never been to the track before that? I had been to watch, yeah. but never pit crewed. Yeah. And uh, just been in the stands uh, a couple of times. I Honestly, I knew very little. I just remember going out for the race. Um, Joe says to me, he says, hey, Larry, just follow me around the track. And, you know, and we just, you know, I'll show you how it's done, whatever. And yeah. and I just remember racing and racing as the laps went by. And I'm going, well, where's Joe? Well, I see him in the pits. I'm going, okay, well, I guess I'm on my own out here. And <laughs> and uh, I just remember the white flag came out and they pointed it at me. And I said, I must be me, the winner, the leader here. And I almost let go of the steering wheel on the last lap, I remember. And <laughs> that was fine. that was my introduction into racing. So this is easy. It was yeah, it was easy money, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. So you're a racer first. <laughs> so it's probably not the the smartest thing to do is to win your first race, but yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, because it. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, this is gonna be great. Yeah, I should buy one of these places. Yeah, these I was kidding. Yeah. So yeah, then after that, uh, race what they call the hobby class. Uh, I eventually went into modifieds. Uh, that's what they call the, the A mods now. Mm-hmm. Um, raced that for a few years. Raced all over the U.S., Northern U.S. Um, yeah, and then. I just got interested more and more into how the uh, tracks were ran and, and that sort of thing. And I um, kind of worked a lot with Jerry Rested down in Langdon, mm-hmm. knew him quite well. Um, just kind of had that interest of maybe owning a track one day or, or building a track or whatever. And um, 1993. I actually was looking at trying to build a racetrack in Winnipeg at one point. Mm-hmm. Um, we had we had land that was out by the airport, not land I owned, but had an investor that was willing to possibly put uh, money into it, and we were going. I was going to build a three eighths of a mile 
uh, racetrack out by the airport. Um, as we went through with the process, it, uh, it eventually got shut down by the city of Winnipeg. The uh, traffic division and that said, oh, it wasn't um, be able to handle the traffic. And anyway, long story short, that that didn't happen. And mm-hmm. and then one day, uh, I don't know, somebody approached me in my business. I had a shop in the city and they said, well, Larry, you ever thought about buying the Speedway? And I just, <laughs> I just was kind of thinking, oh boy, that's... That's, you know, the Speedway at the time, it was a great place and everything, but uh, I'm not going to lie. It was run down. It was, it mm-hmm. needed a lot of work. Um, so the price had to be right for me to take on the project and, and uh, sort of it kind of worked out that I ended up uh, buying it. Um, and yeah, that was, that was the start of, of Victory Lane and that was 1994. 94 was your first season. That was my first, uh, 95 was the first season. So I bought it in the fall of 94 and uh, my first season was 1995. So. Right on. And then it was just clear sailing for several years right from there, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> I'd love to say that. Uh, unfortunately, I, I, the, my first year was pretty good. We uh, learned, you know, I've, I knew nothing about running a racetrack mm-hmm. I, and I chuckle today when I see new promoters come in and, oh, yeah. you know, only laughing because I know what it's like. I I've been there. I've done it. Uh, I've struggled, uh, trying to build a racetrack, not knowing how to do it properly. Um, you know, the learning curve is unreal. Yeah. Um, you know, it, you know, somebody says, well, anybody can build a racetrack. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah. Knock your socks <laughs> off. Um, there's a lot to it. Right. Um, so yeah, it was, it was the first year wasn't too bad. I got, got through it, but the second year was, that was 96, got hit with a flood. And then of course, we all remember in the flood of 97, completely wiped out the, all my buildings wiped out the entire, the only thing sticking out of the track was the very top of the hill and the top. I remember the pictures, the top of turn, I think it was top of turn four is all you could see of the racetrack. The rest of it was entirely underwater. Wow. Uh, the fence that you walk, you see when you walk into the facility was two, two feet underwater, the top of the fence. So I literally boated in, I took a boat and we did a lap on the track with the boat. Um, (laughs) (laughs) we've always joked about it, but you actually did it. We actually did it. Um, you and Barry Bremner, right? Uh, well that, yeah, there was Barry was involved with me, uh, helping out. Uh, I'm trying to remember who who all came in with me for that little boat ride. But anyway, uh, yeah, so it was, it was a bad situation. Um, yeah. It was completely washed out. All the buildings, concessions, the bathrooms. Because uh, everything used to be downhill. Right? At the bottom of the hill, right. yeah. So back in that time, uh, concessions, bathrooms were at the bottom of the hill. There was a set of stairs that went up the back of the hill. And um, so that was all wiped out about a third of the grandstands were completely wiped out from the bottom. Uh, the walls, the concrete wall, the, you name it. There was a gouge through the back straight away from them. The water came in or went out. I don't know which way it was going. It cut a, like a V in the middle of the track. Um, yeah, it was. And then straw, the, the mess left over from, mm-hmm. Uh, just from the fields and hay bales and and the smell and everything. Oh, it was it was unreal. Yeah. It was unreal. And anybody with a good mind probably would have walked away. <laughs> Me, not so much. 
Well, how did that work? Like, did, did insurance help out at all meaningfully or was it just nothing? A- so there was the, uh, unfortunate that, you know, that's, uh, that caused a lot of my, my issues, uh, owning the speedway was, was, uh, flood management was, was reluctant to take care of a lot of the businesses and that, and I was one of them. And unfortunately in the end, I, you know, I think we got somewhere between 10 or 15 cents on the dollar for everything that got wiped out. Um, but I did open that year. We had porta potties and portable concessions, and uh, we did open near the, I think it was near the end of June that year, if I remember. Um, and we did race, it was mm-hmm. a struggle, but we part of that, uh, part of that was that you guys decided to shorten the track as well, right? Right, so that was the uh, 96. Oh, that was yeah. So when I bought the speedway, the speedway was a uh, half mile or just over half mile, it was uh, a big, big half mile, almost uh, five eighths at the top of the track. Oh, wow. So part of that, that track was the long straightaway uh, tight corners. So right. the corners are the same size now, but imagine that track about 150 to 200 feet longer. Yeah. Um, engine track, they right. they called it, right? So uh, it was lots of power, worked well. Um, and then you hung on to it for your dear life going through the corners. So I moved the, the straightaways in. Actually, it's turn one and two. That mm-hmm. got moved in about 150 feet. Right. Like when we're looking, if you're at Winnipeg now, and you look out towards one and two, basically they used to go out to where that dirt berm is now. Correct. Right? That that would be the bottom of the of the turn where that okay. berm was. So oh, wow. yeah. That's out there. <laughs> yeah. It was a big track. Yeah. yeah. And oh, the hill, wow. I the hill used to be a lot longer. So where you guys uh, stand in the pits, that that hill. Uh, went out a lot further. So a lot of that mud was taken away and that sort of thing. So, right. yeah, so that was, I did that in 96 right. or fall of the fall of 95, spring of 96. Right. So 96 was the first year of the shortened tract, which, you know, it's kind of funny now. A lot of people were yelling at me at the time and I could think of some drivers name off the top of my head <laughs> and they're, they come to me now and they go, Larry, why don't you shorten it even make it shorter? Right. right. So, <laughs> Yeah. And, and, you know, that's, that's interesting. It's your first year there and, and you already saw that that was, was that something you had thought about before you bought it or? Yeah. I, so, I mean, a lot of my ideas, they didn't just come from nowhere. Right. I, I stole them. Okay. Right. Um, one of the biggest tracks I, I thought was one of the greatest tracks was Cedar Lake, mm-hmm. uh, a perfect size three eights type track. The racing, they're unreal. Like when we'd go there to watch, I'm going, wow, very impressive. Um, so I kind of tried to model that sort of idea and and that size, um, Grand Forks is another great facility, quarter mile. Um, Mm -hmm. that's a little tough to change that to a quarter mile because, because you also got to look at narrowing the track, like the, the width across the track. Right. So, so the track size is pretty well stuck with what it is now, but I think it's a, it's a decent size. Yeah. It's Um, very different. Yeah. It's a very unique track and a unique surface too yeah uh, and that's the other thing the clay there is interesting right so you got Mm. uh, that that lake that sits right beside it well that's how the track was built um they dug down and so the mud you see on the track is actually the deep clay yeah um so it's a very sticky Mm. you guys know very well what it's like uh good and bad it's it's fast it's uh it stays together but when it dries, it turns into rock concrete hard. And if you polished. don't have, yeah, yeah, polished, if you don't get it 
that moisture correct on it. You start to get the marbles, you get yeah. the dust and uh, it could be a handful. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, so the main thing for you, was it just to be able to just keep the races closer and shortening the straightaways on it and, and making the track a little bit shorter or well, just take the engine out of the equation a little yeah, bit? Yeah, exactly. So that track, they used to call it the motor killer track, right? Yeah. And it, it, it really was a high horsepower track. Mm-hmm. I wanted to bring the the competition back into it. Mm-hmm. Um, the two, three, four wide racing. Right. Um, and to do that, a, a long straightaway stretches your cars out yeah. and then you're single file through the corners. Right. Um, where a little shorter track, especially the straightaways, and if it's the right size curves, uh, turns with the proper banking you, and, you know, mm-hmm. in track preparation, you can get a, 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 a nice track. I mean, we would we would race street stocks there with, oh boy, it'd be four cars <laughs> wide all yeah. all night long. Yeah. You know, um, racing door to door and no yellows. Yeah. You know, like it's, so a lot of it is, you know, is track preparation, of course. And yeah, and the type of track and, mm-hmm. and soil you're working with, right? So. Did it also factor in that shorter tracks are a lot cheaper to maintain in diesel fuel too? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. You think about it, right? Yeah. Like um, a three eighths mile track is probably twice as much work as a quarter mile track, even right. though the size doesn't sound that big, much right. bigger, but it's just, you're that bigger, much bigger of a track. And yeah. Winnipeg's a wide track. Winnipeg's got uh, a corners around 60 to 70 feet wide. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of racetrack to work with. Totally. Um, so you're preparing a big racetrack. You're watering a big racetrack. I mean, I remember days, you know, you get those hot, summer days you're putting on uh, you know 60 70 thousand gallons of water yeah. uh to get that track just to and i'm not talking having a heavy track right now i'm just talking to have it yeah, so it's dust free and, together, and, yeah. and you got a racy track so wow. yeah <laughs> yeah no that's uh it's definitely a factor the people who who speak really highly of the half mile tracks i, I always kind of think they're fun to drive i've, I've been to a few <laughs> and, and they're wild but uh, yeah, you probably don't pay the engine bill if you're a really huge fan of them, oh. and uh, and you probably haven't seen a lot of them. A lot of them do get pretty strung out, but yeah, there's certainly some that don't, and they're they're very special. But uh, but yeah, they're and, and they're kind of a thing of the past too. There's not many left. No, uh, I mean Fargo. You know, Fargo used was, to be a big big yeah uh, big half grades. mile there, and they shortened that up. Um, it's yeah, insurance is is high on them. Mm. The when they crash on a big track, it hurts. Yep. Um, the small tracks, yeah, the speeds are a bit down, but the action, I believe, is 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 more action on a smaller track. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think like Anthony's track or Grand Forks or any of those smaller tracks, I anybody gets down to see them, it's it's some good, tight, close racing. Yeah. And I think from a racer's side of it, I think it's a lot more fun where you're you're kind of battling really close door to door kind of things. So yeah. Yeah, oh, that's great. Good stuff. Well, uh, we'll we'll pause it right there, and we'll jump into our first segment of the interview here with uh, with Anthony. All right, Anthony, you're online. Yeah. Woo. Uh, all right, Larry. Well, it's great to have you on board. We're going to do the misfire round, and if you've listened to the podcast before, you know exactly what we're asking from you. Ten questions. Pick one or the other. You're not allowed to think about it. You can't say both or neither. We've made up these rules as we have gone along in this podcast, and I think we've got a pretty uh, tight seal on it now. You ready? Okay. I'll just, uh, I think if I could just speak up just a tiny bit more and 
and uh, we're good to go. All right. Number one, Call of Duty or Battlefield? <laughs> Not supposed to think uh, about this. <laughs> oh, okay. Sorry. Okay. Uh, hit me again with it. Call of Duty or Battlefield? It's a video game thing. You probably haven't. No. Okay. I quit on that one. So, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Should we try this again? <laughs> no, we... Uh, he, you can hear him okay or yeah, yeah sort yeah, yeah it's yeah, it's just, it's he, a little he just doesn't know what you're talking about. Yeah, sorry, I just yeah. I I didn't know I didn't know what that was even about. So <laughs> I'm an old guy. Do you know that, Anthony? That's all right. I know people older than you that play video games, so it's it's I don't want to generalize by not asking a question. Sure. <laughs> all right. We'll say battlefield because okay. that's what I'm okay, sure, sure. It's like sometimes at this sure. All right. Sure. Number two, three V three overtime or shootout. See, sorry. Three on three overtime or a shootout in hockey? Oh, uh, overtime. Olympic hockey or world juniors? World juniors. Number four, manage a track or race at a track? <laughs> What's more fun? Race at a track. <laughs> Number five, dry or tacky? Dry or tacky. Oh, boy. I I like fast racetracks. So I'm going to say tacky. Number six, construction or demolition? Con- construction or demolition? <laughs> demolition. <laughs> Number seven, cream and sugar or black coffee? Cream and sugar. Yep. Okay. Number eight, electric or gas? <laughs> gas. <laughs> Number nine, roller blades or roller skates? Roller blades. And number 10, leatherworking or carpentry? Leatherworking or carpentry? Uh, carpentry. There you have it, the misfire round. <laughs> yeah, I imagine you had to do a fair amount of, uh, of, you know, miscellaneous carpentry work around the track over the years. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There was the grandstands uh, before they were what they are now. They used to be wood and, and they used to... Need a lot of maintenance, and uh, every year that was always a project, just rebuilding a certain part of them. And yeah, there was a lot of people that helped out a lot of stuff out over the years. All uh, out, uh, it's 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 a lot of work. Mm-hmm. As like Anthony, you know what it's all about. It's uh, doesn't stop. <laughs> yeah, I don't know anything about what you're talking about. I've never experienced any of those things whatsoever. <laughs> Yeah, you never built any wood grandstands. Uh... <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I, uh, and, that, and that's the thing. You know, people th- people look at it and think, God, these promoters got to be just making tons and tons of money. And some of them are. <laughs> oh, there is. There are some. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's it's a tough game. It is. It's, well, and I mean, it's easy to sit in the stands and look at the crowd and go, wow, you know, a lot of people here and you can do the math. I mean, sure. I, people did it to me all the time and they told me how much I made that day and, <laughs> you know, and, and everything. I'm going, oh, yeah. that's pretty good. That's yeah, cool. Thank you. You know, but you don't see what's behind the scenes, what it costs. Like you said, the diesel fuel, the amount of work that goes into preparing that track, the amount of uh, staff that's needed, the amount of, uh, you got to remember like a, a uh, a racetrack's a business, so it has to run year round, right? right? We don't, you don't quit in the in the fall when the last race is done and show up the opening day and say, "Hey, let's go racing it's again," right? Gates, so yeah. you're, you got you got a business running throughout the winter. You might have some staff on board, um, so you're paying this or paying somebody's got to get paid, right. um, and uh, all winter long. Well, there's no money coming in, right? So you know, 
and that's where you heavily rely on sponsorship and uh, advertising and stuff like that. But yeah, it's, it's, um, uh, I don't know. It's tough. I, you know, we, I ran it. I had a great time. I'll never, I'll never say anything bad about uh, my experience with it. Um, you know, I, would I do it again? I would, yeah. I would, I would do it, uh, do it differently, do it smarter, you know, knowing what I know now. Uh, it's not that learning curve. That learning curve is costly, right? Yeah. It's, it's years and years. Like, like it's, and so you pay for that, right? That's coming out of your, somebody's right. pocket yeah. while you're learning. Right. right. So yeah, it's yeah, um, even, even going into it being a, a business owner, you know, cause you, you, you did own your own shop and you were running that. Right. So it's not that you, you just a bunch of buddies were at the track one day and like a bunch of guys saying, Hey, let's open a bar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 You're not completely clueless as yeah. to how a place yeah. operates. But yeah. And, and just still a lot of education that had to happen pretty yeah, quick. And I, and I, I think the biggest, and Anthony will probably agree on this is, is the track preparation part of it. You know, mm-hmm. I mean the, the promoting the marketing and that, I mean, there's people out there and, and you can kind of wing that stuff along, but getting that racetrack ready every week, and the weather changes every week, right? Everybody says, well, it's like building a road. Yeah, well, you only build a road once, right. okay? And then you're done with it. You got to build this road every week. And every time it rains or every time it does this or whatever, you're you're redoing it or trying to figure out how to get this place back in, in shape. And if it's not quite perfect for some racers, you know, they're screaming about it, right? They're going, right. yeah, it's, it's, it's a chore. It's, it's, uh, it's an art. Mm-hmm. Um, you got to know your, your, uh, you got to know your dirt. You got to know, watch your watering techniques. Uh, I know today everybody wants it dry, slick, and, and they don't care that much about the dust that much, but the fans care about the dust. Yeah. And uh, they're the ones that paid to come watch you race. Right. So you got to be careful, especially new ones, right? Especially I, new fans. And they don't come back. You get a one shot deal sometimes. Right? right. You know, so you're sitting there and you're going, Oh boy, you know, today I, I, I screwed up today and I'm, it cost me, right. right? You know, so. Yeah, that's, you know, and that's one of the challenges that I think that the, the sport's going to be going through for the next little while. And that with, with how much car culture has changed, you know, people don't care as much about cars as they used to. It used to be really important to have a car when you're in high school. Right? Yeah. You didn't get your license when you were in high school. You're a loser. Yeah. Well, no. There's there's a bunch of kids that you hear about. They just no, they don't drive. They don't want to drive. No, they don't need to. They take the bus around town. And it's just the weirdest thing to me. But it's fairly common. Well, yeah. I mean, when we were kids, we we're always bunking around with cars. Couldn't wait till you had a car exactly. and, and 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 put a motor in it. And you know, today, yeah. I don't know. I, there's kids out there that are doing some of that. But sure. you're right. It's not. It's not as big a deal. And that's where I always believed, um, you know, a big part when I was running a track was having an introductory class, uh, such as either enduro racing or I, when I started the four-cylinder class, having it as some way to get people just to come out and have some fun. And, you know, kind of get a little bit of that bug because you need new racers, let's face it, right? Oh, yeah. Your racers are you know, the racing expectancy of an average race is about five years. Okay. So that means you need to replenish that, that stock, so to say. Um, and, and you need the car count to maintain there to have a show. Yeah. Right. So, oh, yeah, and everybody talks about it, like climbing up the ladder, but 
it's not so much a ladder as much as a pyramid because only so many people actually go to the next level and the next level after that. Right? Correct. Exactly. Exactly. So, and of course, then, you know, not we have to get into pyramid schemes, but, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then, and then you get into the costs, right. You oh, know, yeah. um, you know, and that's a whole nother can of worms when it comes to the cost of racing. Right. Uh, so we talk about tracks and promoters and what it costs to run a facility, but now as that promoter or owner, track owner, you got to look at what it costs for these guys to go racing. Mm-hmm. Because if they can't afford it, you don't have cars. You don't have cars. You don't have a show. Exactly. So rules are such a huge, huge part of that. And and I guess that was another big thing that I had done, uh, you know, back in when I started the Speedway was trying to introduce a, a, a class or classes that were affordable, right? Um, not changing the rules every year, not, not uh, having killer engine programs, not having where it costs the average Joe Blow a lot of money just to go out and have some fun. Because let's face it, we're not doing this. Uh, to get we're not NASCAR drivers here. <laughs> yeah. We're just a bunch of, you know, having fun and, and enjoying a sport. So, I mean, when I first uh, bought the Speedway, I uh, one of the first things I did was I introduced that the street class. Back then it was called the Winnipeg Streets. The interesting part is the rules for a lot of that stuff are still in place today. Just to to show you how something that you know we're talking what 30 years ago or coming through 29 years ago yeah. uh that you know a lot of stuff put in place then is still there now so these are the kind of things that you want to look at when you're like i say as a track promoter or owner um of trying to have keep these costs down so these guys can you know keep racing and that class can grow so, I mean, yeah, so we did, uh, I put together street stock class. Uh, that was the, you know, the, the rules and a lot of them, they kind of morphed into um, kind of the street stock rules they have now. And same, uh, I also had the Enduros back then. Mm-hmm. Uh, the engine program for the Enduros is actually the engine program you guys use uh, for the trucks and the pure stocks today. Yeah. Um, so a lot of this is, it's, it's, it's lasted the, uh, the, the time the time yeah. yeah so yeah it's uh it's so important and i mean a rule that if you can't police a rule it's not worth the paper it's written on right it's so tricky to write them <laughs> in a way that it's got to be able to be checked easily and properly and black and white we know this is legal this isn't legal and uh and it's got to be written in a way that we can start to look for the gray areas, right? Well, here's my theory on, on writing rules. I find the biggest cheaters I can find. Yeah. Okay. I find, I talk to the engine builders, talk to the chassis builders, talk to the top racers yeah. and say, here's my proposed idea of rules. I want you to tear it apart and find a way to cheat. Okay. Tell me how this rule, you can manipulate it, how you can take my thousand dollar engine rule and turn it into a ten thousand dollar engine rule and that's what you got to look at right right? you know you gotta you gotta dissect so it's not just sometimes saying boy i'd love to have this engine or that engine rule or or this is uh, this is a new engine program or something that's great but you know you you got to look at down the line what's it going to cost what's you know what's it going to take to actually do that yeah you can't it's it's tough that you have to be looking at things that way but you can't be looking at it as 
expecting everyone's also going to have the best of intentions because a lot of guys don't, <laughs> you know, because once, once you're out of talent, well, the only thing you can do is spend more money. And if we can find a loophole to do that, then. The one thing we do know for sure, racers always want to go faster, right? And, they and they're going to do whatever. They've got to do it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So that's what you got to keep in mind. And, you know, some people say, well, you know, what if we just had four barrels or what if we had this? Yeah, but then that four barrel now is an extra 50 horsepower. Well, now my transmission needs to be changed because it can't handle that power or the differential. You know, drive shaft isn't strong. So these are all the things you got to look at when you start playing with the mm. rules a bit. So, um, yeah, I one of my biggest thing always is, is when it comes to rule changes or, or looking at the rules, existing rules is what's the reason you want to change it or what's the reason you want to add this or, or what you're going to do. There has, you need to have a, a reason to do that and, and look at what that is that going to do when I do do that. So, yeah. Yeah. It's tough. You know, you're trying to play, play chess in three dimensions with it <laughs> and they're trying to predict the future too. It's yeah. uh, it can be a tricky deal for sure. Well, but. One of the, uh, uh, back then we had, uh, if you remember NOPA. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, um, that was started. Uh, Terry Backlands actually had approached me and that was, I'm going to say that was probably around maybe 96, 97 in that era. Um, and same sort of scenario we have now. Like I, I look at Anthony's track, I look at Emo, uh, you look at the tracks down south, uh, even Thunder Bay now and, right. and that, and you go, how can we get everybody on the same page share the cars, share uh, the same rules and stuff like that. And with these lower classes, it's a tough deal because everybody has their own sort of rules, right? right? At each track and, and it's what they have. exactly what you guys tried to set up against. (laughs) So, yeah. So with NOPA, we were able to, uh, I believe it was seven or eight tracks, get all on the same page, all on the same set of rules. And um, so we had, Nopa streets. We had the, of course the trucks. Uh, mm-hmm. I brought the trucks in in 96 at division. Um, and we got them on with Nopa with, with all the tracks and then they, you know, they could tour in that, which was right. another big bonus. Right. So that's, that's a big thing. If you can do that with some of the tracks and get everybody on the same page, but that's everybody kind of working together and, yeah. oh, you and know. stuff too, because if you feel like the main group is going the wrong direction and the right thing to do for the class is to, go off and do your own thing then that, that, that can be tough too right it, you can't keep doing what isn't working yep. because it's going to keep all the tracks together so i see both sides of that point it's, it's yeah and you and sure. i guess you got to look at it the big picture is your if it's from the racer side of it it's keeping cost of racing down yeah okay and competitive nothing better than fun more fun racing when you're sitting out in that field and you're three wide and there's 20 cars in that race and you're starting maybe mid or backpack and you're passing these guys, there's no better feeling. Right. Yeah. And that's what you want. Right. Yeah. But if there's only five cars out there or eight cars and they're following the leader and they're, yeah. or there's a couple of cars that have just pulled away from everyone else. And you know, yeah. it's not that much fun. Yeah. If you, if you told me to pick one thing to ensure that you're going to have better racing more often than not, I think the one thing you would choose would be car count over track prep and over uh, driver skill and over fine tuned setups and all that stuff. It's always going to be car count because yep. when the car counts there, like usually you're going to see some good racing. Uh, you can't 
you can have a good race without car count, but it doesn't happen that often. Yep. Right? So absolutely. But car count happens. How Pay exactly. payouts are part of it. Yep. Uh, cost of racing, uh, keeping, keeping the rules, uh, the same for everyone, keeping the rules, um, consistent, yep. right. You know, not changing rules one year to the next, yep. um, driver morale is another one. Um, you know, officiating, you know, um, so all these sort of things come into play. Yes. Track preparation. Yes. So the track's dusty today from a racer. He probably don't care. I'll race on any racetrack. I don't care. Okay. As a racer, I'll race on whatever. Right. But I mean, if it's so dusty, I can't see the driver in front of me. It becomes a little bit of a safety issue, but there's holes in the track. Well, drive around them. You know, if the track's really sticky or fast, great. Leave your foot to the floor and keep driving. You know, so. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I always do get a bit of a kick out of uh, people complaining about how dirty their car got at a dirt track race. I'm like, really? <laughs> you know they wouldn't have liked the old days then. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, man. Yeah, I remember hearing the stories of guys like, not being able to climb up the hill and turn one. You know, yep. After after heat races, trying to cross the track, they'd slip and fall back down to the bottom. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, a lot of a lot of preparation and 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 that is is for your feature ranks, mm-hmm. right? And that's people go, well, they're, they're the heat's greasier or this or whatever. It's a qualifying race, okay? It's greasy right. for everyone, right. okay? That feature is when you want that track nice, right? Because yeah. that's the money race, right? right? So and that's when you want the, the three, four car wide racing if you can have it, you know. So yeah, oh, for sure. And I yeah. think that one thing that would have uh that that makes it because I, I know exactly what you're talking about back when we used to do those enduros that's where me and my yep. brother started yeah uh we would run the four cylinder enduro first yep and the first 15 <laughs> 20 laps that thing were a bloodbath <laughs> just it was a swamp out there and it was crazy but as the track ran in it would get racier and racier yep. and widen out and it would get better, but the first while was just. Oh, you couldn't keep your you couldn't keep your car on the corner. It was yeah. sliding down into <laughs> other cars. Like it, you had to have enough speed just to right. make it around the corner. Yeah, but you found that you had to do it that way to keep it from being a dust bowl. You had to. Yeah. You had to because first of all, a lot of those enduros, you're talking a lot of racing, right? Like, oh, there used to be <laughs> sixty cars lining up for the four cylinder enduros and the and the big car, right? The biggest enduro we ever put on. Uh, I paid $20,000 to win and uh, we had just under 90 cars. I think it was 88 cars started the feature, started the race. We we started them four wide, if I remember, and it was 500 lap race. What year was that? Uh, Boy. (laughs) Because there was... I went to, that was the first race I ever went to was, uh, was one of those big Enduros you put on. It was on like a Tuesday or something. No, we would have, Enduros mostly ran Saturdays. So yeah. It was, one of the, it was a weeknight. Cause I remember my, yeah. my mom kicked us all out of the house cause she was having a Tupperware party with all her friends. <laughs> so dad was like, we're going to the track. <laughs> and, uh, and we had never been before and, and we went and had a great time. And, uh, that's kind of what planted the seed for us to go back later and eventually get going. But, uh, but yeah, it was it was a spectacle. It was nuts. And but, and the, the the crazy part of it is, as you think, five hundred laps. Oh my god, that track would be a disaster. That was a race track. Yeah. Like it was. By the time you got through that first half or so, it was full blown racetrack. But back then, the Enduros cars stayed on the track. We didn't pull them off. We got the drivers out, of course, right, for the yeah. safety reasons. But it was there was cars everywhere. I mean, yeah. it was if. 
you know, 10 or 15 cars finished that race. That was a good day. So yeah. Oh, it was, it was the people that remember it was, and I think, you know, I look back and I think the Enduros, um, as, as simple of a car and as, as it was, it was the most fun, mm-hmm. most fun to watch, most fun to put on, yeah. uh, and to race in. You talk to some of the racers that ran those and that, and they go, Larry, that was so much fun. Um, and it just, but again, there was no money spent on the car. Right. You, like, you know, you just, you didn't, yeah. you just went out there and that's really people forget what's racing is all about. It's supposed to be fun. Right. Yeah, exactly. You know, you know, it's not, we're not going to probably drive for, uh, Penske or, yeah. or, uh, or, or uh, any of the big names, right? Like we're, yeah. we're probably, you, you and me are probably never going to get to kiss the bricks. Yeah. 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 So <laughs> you know what? You're having fun exactly. and you know what? And you keep it that way. Yeah. You know, um, keep the politics out of it. Keep the, you know, if you're not happy about the track, you know what? Wait a minute. It's sure to change. You know, it's right. like the weather, right? You know, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you don't like the promoter? Why don't you go see him and talk to him? Hell, go buy him a beer. He'll be a lot nicer to you next time. You know? <laughs> yeah. No, no, for sure. It, uh, yeah. It, it's just such a, such a, and, and that's exactly it. When you get the kind of money that's involved into it, when you get that going, it just, it, it all pushes towards that direction that it, it takes the fun out of it. And yeah, uh, yeah, uh, we definitely had a great time doing our enduros back in the day. They can be frustrating deals for sure, <laughs> um, but uh, that's a different story. Yeah, oh, so yeah. The, yeah. I mean, you don't got enough time here, and you ain't got enough whiskey in your your house here for us to talk about it all night. But like, yeah. there's stories out there that are pretty funny. So yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, well, uh, I do want to jump back into the whole promotion side of things because you had some really cool ideas. But uh, first, we'll jump back to uh, Anthony here, and he's got a couple couple questions for you called the In the Driver's Seat. All right. Well, thanks so much, Eric. Uh, Larry, some really awesome insight there. And, yeah, I exactly know what you're talking about. Uh, there's definitely some uh, some things you got to deal with on a daily basis, and there's no, you know, you know what they say, right? Rest is for the weary, sleep is for the dead. Yep. Can you hear him okay? Oh, sorry. You can hear him okay? Uh, just the last part I didn't hear. So, okay. oh, rest, rest is for the weary, weary and sleep is for the dead. Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, I got seven questions here. Uh, we'll start with number one. Uh, which driver did or do you have the most fun racing against? Which driver? Yeah. Hmm. Oh boy. Uh, <laughs> I know they're supposed to be quick answers, right? No, you can no, take your time on this. Oh, yeah. I can take my time on these oh, ones. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, Sorry, I forgot that part. Oh. Oh boy. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think back in the days, you know, when we raced mods and that, um, <laughs> I just, I, I think back like guys like Rick Wozni, uh, uh, Luck, uh, you know, just, I, I think some of the, the mod races, especially the Americans and that racing with uh, some of those guys and that. So I don't know if there's any particular driver I would say, but it was just, your time Just, in the modified. Yeah, the mods was was probably uh, they're a fun car to drive. Yeah, yeah, they're crazy. Yeah, yeah. All right, number two. What went through your mind the first time you jumped into a car and started your first race? <laughs> what the heck am I doing? <laughs> I honestly, yeah, I was. Uh, I, I, I think about that and I go, wow. This was like I just, you know, a kid in a candy store. You're sitting there looking around, going. Where, where, where do you go? You know, you're sitting yeah. there. You literally don't know what to do, you know? Right. And, uh, yeah, it was pretty exciting. That's all I know. 
Number three, if you went three wide with a lap to go, which spot would you prefer to be in? The inside, middle, or outside, and why? Um, I prefer the inside. And why? Um, I like to be I like to be under underneath uh, underneath everyone, uh, just going into a corner or stuff like that. So yeah, I eight tires turn better than four. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like that bottom line. I don't know. Although, you know what? I don't mind hanging out high, wide, and handsome sometimes, too. So, when the cushion's right, it's yeah. a lot of fun. Yeah. 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 All right. Number four. What do you do in the car just before you drive out of the pit stall? What's the first? Well, what do you do in the car just before you drive out of the pit stall? What do I do? Um, <laughs> yeah. Do you have any weird? Uh, oh, have okay. Oh, the little, the little, little twerk things or yeah. habits that do. Things, yeah. um, so one thing I do do is um, I I'm checking my belts uh, all the time. Uh, that's a that's kind of a little twitchy thing I do uh, in the staging area. I actually have to stop, pause. I cross my arms and I close my eyes. And I just have complete silence, like I'm somewhere else. Like it's just a, a break from everything. And that's how I calm and relax before the race starts. Cool. Number five, what race would you consider the one that got away? The one that got away. Uh, this could be from the driver's seat or it could be as a promoter or whatever. Oh, boy. Yeah. Uh <laughs> The one that got away. Um, <laughs> uh, I got to think on that one. That one. Hmm. Let's say from the promoter side of it, um, uh, we put on a, a big sprint car show one time and it had the NCRA sprints up here. And I, uh, I just wish that show would have went. It was unreal show, unreal track. The the drivers were blown away. Uh, I think we had 38 sprint cars show up or something. Wow. And it was one of the biggest shows. It just, it didn't get promoted well. It didn't, um, I just, I wish that show would have been, because I think that was, that could have been something really good. So mm -hmm. yeah, that's, that might be from the promoter side of things. The one that got away a bit. Racing, mm, I don't know. I remember my carburetor on a Duro car completely fall apart once, and I was leading, and I literally looked at the checkered flag while I sat at the bottom of turn four. So I remember that one. And so. your carburetor <laughs> just falling apart. <laughs> <laughs> That's <was> funny. <clears throat> All right, uh, number six. If you could sit down with one or up to three people from any time in motorsports, who would it be, and why? Oh, that's a good one. Uh, I think uh, Richard Petty would be one. Um, up to three people? Yeah. <laughs> Earnhardt, senior, uh, for sure. Um, He's definitely the most popular answer. Yeah. Is, yeah. I, <laughs> <laughs> maybe Smokey Eunuch, maybe, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, why? Uh, just, just uh, you know. Hear, hear a story from them. Uh, just, yeah. Yeah, the stories those guys would have. Yeah, would just, just incredible. You know, just to meet them, uh, talk, talk, just whatever. I'm talking you know. about writing rules and yeah. know, rules being made to be broken. Smokey was your guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The best damn garage in town. Yeah. All right. Number seven. 
if dirt track racing didn't exist, what racing type would you prefer? If it wasn't dirt track racing, okay. So, um, I mean, I I like the short track pavement uh, shows and that. Um, the ice racing is actually pretty pretty mm-hmm. cool. The uh, um, could it be motorcycles on dirt? Oh, it can't be dirt, eh? Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, ice racing or the or the short track paved track, yeah. Mm-hmm. It would it still be it would still be oval racing. It wouldn't be drag racing. Yeah, where's the fun of going in a straight line? Yeah. <laughs> right there, you have it I, in the I driver's still, seat. I, I still need to go to uh, an NHRA race. I've heard that standing behind the line and watching those guys. Yeah. You, you know, do gain a big yeah, respect for it. Yeah. But yeah, it's still I, not. Uh, I, I used, I had gone down to the Northern Nationals a few times when I was younger and yeah. that. And it is, yes, it, it is, is a show. It is a show. Sure. Yeah. But yeah, it ain't, it ain't dirt racing for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, no, that's, uh, that's great. Those are some good ones. I, I thought of one today that I would add to that, uh, that list for a promoter like that. If you could promote a race from any period of time, you, know, you get to pick your track and pick your era when you get to do that. What class you want to have that race for? What would you, like what what to you stood out as the greatest era of competition and cars and what track and where you'd want to do that? You know, I think like the '60s and that. Yeah. I just, um, I think that era. The uh, super modifieds before they're even yeah, cars. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That you know that A mod or B mod and uh, and just. <sighs> the motors back then they were you know just simple racing was it just seemed so simple yeah. you know the <laughs> yeah. and it looked like it was you were racing it was yeah. it was uh every man for himself out there and <laughs> oh yeah yeah watching the old uh, the old USAC races on the dirt miles it was insanity the stuff that those guys were doing mario and aj and all yeah. those guys yeah yeah it um I think that would be an interesting era for sure. And you, you didn't settle it with officials. You just settled it in the pits after with That's the right. racers. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, you know, as a promoter, you, uh, you tried some different things and tried all different kinds of stuff to, uh, to try and grow the, the sport here within the city and, and try to make it fly. One of them was, it was really cool was the, the TV show that you had on MTN, the old TV network here in Winnipeg. Um, how did that come about? How did you do that? <laughs> so, uh, so Barry Bremner, he, uh, he, uh, kind of, uh, when I started the track and that, and, you know, a good friend of mine and he, he, he's a racing nut. He's, he mm-hmm. just, you know, um, he would, he put together the, the weekly programs or the, uh, the, the mail, the newsletters for the racers. And he's, he just, when it came to that sort of stuff, he was all over it. And, um, I don't know how we ended up somehow meeting with MTN um, and um, I'm not sure how it actually happened. Uh, I think we were just, you know, talking about, you know, see if we could get somebody to cover this, to race us. And I think it started off as just getting some, uh, some sports coverage. Right. Just on um, the news. Yeah. Right. Just get us on the news a little bit. Right. Yeah. To, Hey, uh, we could do a TV show out there. And so, uh, it's kind of one thing led to the other. And, uh, next thing you know, we had put together a half hour weekly show, uh, used to air Sunday nights at, uh, I think it was 10 30 or something. Um, 
it was called Victory Lane. Um, and uh, it was... <laughs> It was a good little show. Do you show. still have any old VHS? I, I have the whole season. Uh, we had put together, me and Barry had put together, uh, people still laugh and chuckle about it at because uh, me and Barry are kind of doing an interview at the beginning and the end. And, yeah, and, uh, I do remember your hair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I show people that now. They kind of <laughs> have a good chuckle on it. So Yeah. In case anybody don't know, I don't got none now. So. <laughs> Damn speedways are good all. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so we ended up putting um, uh, a, a VHS tape of the whole two, uh, 1995 season, uh, all kind of clipped together, yeah. and all the way up to the championship. At that uh, that that year, uh, we ran the sprint cars uh, right. as a weekly show with Soda Sprints and uh, Luke Kennedy, uh, not senior Luke Kennedy. Yeah. Um, he uh, won the championship, the Wissota National Championship that year in the sprint cars. And uh, so our big banquet, I remember uh, uh, we had the whole smoke show and the right. whole deal. And <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, it was uh, incredible. Like, I, you know, I look, you know, you kind of forget about this stuff. You know, you years go by and you kind of go, oh, that's right. We did have that yeah. TV show. Oh, yeah. yeah, we did that. And, you know, and. <laughs> <laughs> did you see an uptick in, in attendance and do you think that helped you? You know what? It was, it was kind of funny because it was, there was no internet back then, right? Mm -hmm. It was, it, your promotion was, we, you know, buy advertising, yeah. buy radio spots, horse trade, whatever you could, uh, promotion marketing through your racers and, and whoever uh, to try to fill the stands. Right. Uh, but it was, it was a tough, tough, uh, Go. Yeah, it was. And uh, so the TV show definitely brought out awareness of that. A lot of people go, oh, where is this? Da, da, da. Um, I guess the only thing I thought a little bit was going, well, people could watch it on TV. Why do you need to yeah. come to the show kind of thing? And, yeah. you know, now whether that was true to some degree, I don't know. It's like a bomber game, right? Well, if I watch it on TV, do I need to go to the bomber game? I yeah. guess, you know, so. But, yeah. but uh, either way, we ran it for that year. And then about partway through the next year, uh, it was just tough keeping it going. Um, yeah, and it, it, it was costing money. Okay. And yeah, so yeah. it wasn't free. Yeah, right. Was, no, so there. it's it's yeah, it was it was cool and everything like that. Yeah. But you know, today uh, probably be yeah, that'd be great. But the co you know, somebody has to pay for the cost of it. And, but it changed so much, yeah. so that yeah. uh, I don't I don't think that going to TV would be the way to go. Now. No, right. I don't. With, with streaming, it's a really different, uh, it's a whole different landscape nowadays. And yeah. You see what Flow Racing and, the, and all these other guys are doing and, and the cool down and all kinds yeah, of stuff. Yeah. So it's, all the cameras, like, uh, yeah, cool down racing there, you know, that's, I'm sure that's a lot of work putting yeah, that together. Absolutely. Um, you know, and then they'd go, they would edit it and Pat Mooney would go into the studio and, and, and voice over a lot of it. Uh, yeah, this, so it wasn't just, you know, I can't, I can't imagine today's Pat Moody <laughs> <laughs> offering his time oh, to do boy. that. Yeah. Pat, Pat back in the day, he was a character. Yeah. <laughs> I, <laughs> I can tell you the story about that one. I don't know if we can online or not, but <laughs> whatever. When, when I, <laughs> when I first opened, I, uh, I, uh, you know, of course, Pat Moody was, uh, it was the, uh, I got him to announce and that and and uh, sorry and uh, he uh, he said oh he says uh, could Norm King you know come join me as a, a color commentary up in the tower I said sure sure so anyway I I had a fridge up there and I put some box of beer up there in the fridge for the boys 
sure. you know, hopefully Don't after, the, after yeah. the show, right? You know, everybody can have a, a beer kind of thing, right? Well, I'm going, the show's over. I'm going, where the heck did all the beer go, right? And Pat looks at me and goes, well, that wasn't for us. <laughs> anyway, that was, that was, uh, yeah. Uh, it was some fun. Always part of the entertainment. Though. Oh boy, you know, it was. Yeah. To say about everything going oh, on. Oh yeah, and his little jokes. It was uh, <laughs> always fun. Fun to listen to. Yeah, yeah, and, and you know a lot of other stuff. Actually, I think the first time I uh, I made it to the speedway wasn't even for a race. It would have been for one of the monster truck shows. And you know, I always remember you doing different stuff with that, the tough truck competitions yep. and all that kind of stuff. And you know, how did you? Did you just? set out to just try something different every year to see what clicked or you know what always looking at different stuff yeah. you know uh i think as a promoter or a track owner i think you gotta look at everything yeah and yeah some stuff works some don't unfortunately it's a trial and error kind of thing and mm-hmm. and you you know you the monster trucks it was uh, i got approached by uh a tour coming through and that and we had put on that that first monster truck show then after that i i just put them on myself. Um, I did a few of them, but again, it's it's costly to put on that show. You got to make sure you get enough fans in the stands. And mm-hmm. let's face it, running a racetrack is a little bit of a, a you need a little bit of money, own, yeah. right? You got to have yeah. a little bit deeper pockets to keep that program rolling. Uh, Larry wasn't a rich man, hey. you know. <laughs> you weren't at the start. You certainly no, it, no. It just I had the passion. I had everything else, but no, I didn't have the money you know, falling out of my pockets. So yeah, unfortunately, well, yeah, issue, right? yeah. So that's, you know, it's, it's, that part is, is, you know, you need that money to, to promote those big shows. Um, so yeah, uh, the tough truck challenges and all those sort of things, those were easy to do because they were sure. local. Sure. Uh, now that you mentioned, I think about the demos we had and yeah. I, one year I brought in, uh, we, I can't remember his name, uh, Hollywood Peter, Peterson or something or whatever stunt his man. name his name was. Anyway, he's a stunt man. Right. Okay, and he's gonna drive through burning cars and all sorts of things. He had this 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 jet fire bike down the front. All these great little ideas. Well, he says to me, Larry, he says, you know what we're gonna do? He says we're gonna blow you up in a car. Go, I'm going what? He says the fans are gonna love this. He says. <laughs> Okay, what do you mean blow me up in a car here? Like, like, can I give me the breakdown on this? So literally, I went inside a car, okay, and they plants they plants explosives all around this car inside the car, right. and <laughs> they blew me up. Is this why you have hearing problems? <laughs> I'm kind of thinking that could be part of it now. I might have factored in. I just remember he he says, "Here's a here's a uh uh." A bed mattress, right? He goes, just put this over top of yourself just before I blow you up. I'm going, this is my safety gear? You didn't have a fire suit on? <laughs> I might have had a fire suit. Yeah. I can't even remember now. Oh, my God. Yeah. Well, you know, just trying to please the fans back then, you That's know? That's right. <laughs> oh, man. That's wild. <laughs> one, uh, one event that, that you tried that famously did not go over too great was the whole rock in the speedway thing. Um, did you see a lot of potential in that? Like, where did you, where did you realize that wasn't going to, so you said we, t- we went back earlier about that show. I'd like to have back. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. You know what? Maybe I'm going to change that my, I'm going to change it to that one. So, uh, yeah. So this was, um, 
not to get into too much of the yeah the, whatever the personal side of things, but the uh, the speedway was struggling. Uh, yeah. We got wiped out by the flood a couple of years in a row. Um, it was tough for me to keep things rolling. So I was kind of, how would you say, in the gambling world, I was going to double down. Right. Yeah. So um, you know, I, I I I've been to concerts and I've seen how you know how they can draw some good crowds and stuff like that. So I had this this concert idea. Uh, at the time I approached, uh, cause Derek got involved with the track at that point. I approached him about the idea and, and, uh, about doing this rock concert. Uh, it was September long weekend, 2000. I remember it well. Yeah. Um, and it was called rock in the speedway. So we were, I was going to have racing and a rock concert. Yeah. Um, Sound like a good concept. Sure, I'm, um, I mean, yeah. Pretty well, one of those deals where, you know, uh, bring your wheelbarrows because I'm going to have to haul a lot of money out of here, sure, right? You know, yeah. so <laughs> what could go wrong? Yeah. Well, what went wrong? It snowed. It, snowed. it literally snowed. September, I don't know the last time September long weekend snowed, but it snowed. <laughs> well, there goes the racetrack. There that goes, uh, no... well, so we, yeah. the concert went on. Okay. Right. It's booked. It's right. it's happening. Yeah, it's it's rain, shine, whatever. Yeah. The sh- the show must go on. Right. But uh, didn't sell a lot of tickets. Right. Uh, it just it. You know what? As how the guy said, it was the best staff party you ever had, Larry. <laughs> it didn't didn't quite make the money that uh, yeah I had hoped for. And yeah, if I could have one back, I I guess that would be one. How could I've done it differently? I, I'm not sure though. The weather. Yeah, the weather, weather just was, killed me. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, that was also the demise of my uh, owning the Speedway after that because mm-hmm. we had lost so much money and, and yeah. stuff like that. So, yeah. So, But you stayed on a few years longer? Uh, three years after that, I, uh, me and Derek kind of sort of had a, an agreement. And, you know, and again, I'm not going to get into yeah, yeah, to yeah. things and that, but it just, uh, yeah, for three years, I, I stayed on as a as, uh, promoter and that. Um and then in 03 was my, my last year there, we just, you know, we were kind of, me and Derek had different ideas. Yeah. Um, so unfortunately we, I, you know, I look back and I, I, you know, I kind of go, well, you know, what could have I done different? You know, you always do that, right. Sure. You know, you, yeah. Yeah, you know, how could, could have things been better or maybe worked out or something, you know, and, you know, um, it is what it is. I uh, no, no. It's, it's it's you live and learn, right? And and you know, I in your introduction, I kind of alluded to the fact that I didn't think that at one point I didn't think we would be sitting here having this interview, and, and that wasn't uh, I don't want that to be taken the wrong way. That um, you know, just at the time you kind of disappeared too for a while after that. Right? I did. You didn't, I did. You didn't show um, up around the speedway at all for a while. Uh, no, it. Uh... Yeah, it took a lot out of me. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. That would have been a tough you're, you're getting you're getting a little close to the heart here. Yeah, now. Yeah, right, right? <laughs> um no, it was um yeah, I had to have a break. I literally mm-hmm. uh as my own own uh well being, I needed a break. Yeah. Um I needed a break from the speedway, I needed a break from that that was a lot of work. Like oh, people don't probably. realize uh, and when you put that much into something and it doesn't well, work out, it's, I put it's every hard. everything I had. Yeah. Like, and when Literally I everything. when I left, I left with nothing. Like, yeah. people don't realize that. Like, it's 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 when I say I had the shirt on my back, I literally had the shirt on my back. Yeah. You know. Um. So yeah, it was, it was tough. It was tough. Um. You know, we had just a new little one at the time, and yeah, it was. 
it was it was a tough deal to no doubt. eventually come back and i yeah i had i had stayed away for quite a while and one day i uh i got a phone call from a guy named walt morris and said he needs somebody to prepare racetracks and <laughs> and i said to him i says is that all you need done i says because i can do a lot more so <laughs> yeah no and and that was great good to see you back out there and then and you you knew the place well right? and you knew that dirt and you knew you knew a lot about it and then they get you to see you back in a race car again and, uh, yeah. and having fun and you find you were just enjoying the sport a lot more just you at know that what level. it was it was uh i don't know how me and daryl kind of started yapping about you know maybe let's go get a street stock go have some fun you know yeah, show these young guys how yeah a couple of 50 year old guys <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah we need a hobby you know <laughs> that or buy a corvette which i did buy a corvette too so oh, I, yeah, yeah. but yeah so we uh yeah we just kind of thought we'd have really just go have some fun and that's what it was all about and you know what we were having fun um it's it's uh, won a lot of races yeah the the street we we (laughs) we had that car it worked well we had it dialed in it was funny running well too yeah and we and we worked out well because daryl didn't race a lot so i kind of was the I'm going, Daryl, okay, I'm going to set up the car. I'm going to make the car work for how I drive. Right. So you're going to have to drive it like me because we're we're not like we're going to do major adjustments yeah, we here. Can't change all four springs. <laughs> it's a street stock, right? Yeah. Like it's we're pretty limited here. So, yeah. um, <clears throat> and it worked out. <clears throat> uh, Size wise, we're about the same, and yeah. and it, the driving style. He he kind of adopted my driving type of style, and and yeah, and it worked, and we. You know, and then eventually we uh, we bought the truck. Unfortunately, I didn't get to run the truck much because we we're right in the middle of a pandemic. And right. yeah, that timing. Yeah, there's another race. If I talk about getting back, that last race, I wanted to run the truck one more time. I didn't get a chance, and that was the race that I said, "Okay, Daryl, you jump in," because I was going to run the next race, and it ended up getting canceled. And that was the race he won. I was going, "Geez, I would have liked to have won that race yeah. in, the, in the truck," because we finally had the truck working, and yeah. I was I was pretty happy with it. And uh, so I guess that's the one I would yeah like As to the have driver. back. Okay. All the lists now of all the ones who went back. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, we uh, we unearthed, unearthed some old memories. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right on. Well, no, this has been awesome, man. It's been uh, been great to chat with you and, uh, and and pick your brain about what it was like. That whole era was just <laughs> it was it was wild. There's a lot going on. So, oh, uh, it's yeah. and we barely scratched the surface. So. Yeah. The other rest of the stories we'll have to tell you when you're sitting around the the, the campfire or something. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like it. Oh, that's great. Well, anybody, any shout outs or anybody you want to thank or anything like that? You know what? Um, There was a lot of people back in the day uh, that helped um, make that speedway work. And it wasn't, we weren't, we didn't make any money at it. We were Mm. just, you know, it it was a ton of work and and very little pay in the end. And, and, uh, but um, there was a few people uh that really put a lot put as almost as much as i did into it and one of them was maxine downs um she passed away about oh boy a few years ago now already um so people that remember her she was my uh, another interesting story there but she was the uh came in <laughs> to my office the first year and she was on a uh program where they uh, unemployment you had to go get a job or work part something for a few hours or a few weeks or something to keep your pogey up. Right. And uh, so 
somebody mentioned her, hey, go go see Larry. He could use a, a secretary or somebody to work, right. right? Well, next thing you know, she's right there in the thick of it with me and right to the very end. Um, great, uh, great yeah. lady. She ran things uh, behind the scenes that people won't even imagine what she had done. And another person that just put hours in, she didn't care about the races. She didn't even watch the racing. <laughs> meant nothing to her it was everything else um that's funny. so yeah so that one maxine there yeah uh, you know unfortunately she passed away uh, like I say a few years ago um you know i was mentioned ray barry brumner helped me out lots uh just again you know he's kind of a racing guru kind of guy and yeah. you know he probably got me in more trouble with some of his ideas than 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 not but um my wife, I married the Stacy shooter sack. So I, yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> so that's, that's another story how I yeah, met yeah. her, but yeah, it was the speedway. Um, so yeah. So uh, other people, oh boy, like I say, there's, there's lots of names out there, but yeah. you know, these are some of the, the key people that um, it wasn't for them. It's that, yeah. it, I, you know, I don't know. I, you know, I, I think back in the flood in 97, had I, had I, um, you know, just given up, you yeah. know, because most people would have, you yeah. know, your, your business is wiped out. You know, you walk away from it. The government says, I'll pay off your debt or whatever and be on your merry way. The problem was, is the Speedway also would have been done. Yeah. Um, because at that time, the Speedway was on a, um, uh, it was just a conditional use to right. have the speedway there. And the minute it wasn't a racetrack anymore, it reverted back to farmland. So it would have been done. Racing right. would have been done. Had I walked away, yeah. it would have been done. And I just, I couldn't see that happen. So, yeah. yeah. So you listen to me today and why I, I get adamant about rules or about, <laughs> you know, a truck class that I, yeah. you know, I, why do I care? I, yeah. that, I started that class, you yeah. know, and it means a lot to me. Yeah. You know, and I, you know, I fought to keep it alive after a few years ago when, you know, was looking that it was, it was done, left, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, hey, that, that's exactly <laughs> it. Uh, nobody can ever say that you didn't care, right? Yeah. And, and that's, uh, that, that definitely means something. So. But I still haven't made the Hall of Fame yet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just putting that out there. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> I see how it is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, i don't even know how that hall of fame process works to be honest with you so uh, i don't know if anybody out there is listening who has a vote uh, <laughs> i made the super truck hall of fame oh, <laughs> yeah no it's it's you know and in the end it was it was it was it was all good yeah yeah uh, you know absolutely. you can look i can look back and i can chuckle about it now yeah you know but yeah <laughs> Right on. Well, I yeah, I don't really have any other questions, Anthony. Anything? No, just awesome stuff to hear. Thank you so much. Uh, it was just a pleasure to listen uh, to what you had to say in your history with the track and in racing. And it's just you know you speak really well to um, to to what you experienced, and uh, I think it's just a great story to tell. I, I would love to have you back on again in the in the future. So uh, just so you know, that door is open to have you come back. Sure. That's, that's not a problem. I don't mind. You know, it's, it's fun to me. This is fun, you know? Um, mm. you know, so, um, you know, and Anthony, you're, uh, you know, I, I, I've met you and I, I see what you're doing out there and I give you full credit. Um, I know you have the passion too. Um, 
and I know you want to see things work out and yeah, it don't come easy. There's uh, the racetrack thing business is <laughs> yeah, it's tough. Oh, it's yeah. a tough one, but you know what? Um, I, I find the rewards are, you know, there would be, I just remember the nights I'd sit, you know, everybody be going, uh, I'd have the track all ready to go. I, I have a shower, get all kind of cleaned up for the beginning of the races. I grab myself a, probably a Smirnoff ice or something like that. And I'd sit up in the tower and I would just go watch yeah. the show and everybody would go, well, Larry, aren't you worried about this or worried about that? I says, you know what, if I have to, worry about things now then i didn't do my job up to this point right. i got my people are there and they know what needs to be done and you know what that's part of that being a promoter is putting your full faith in the people that are putting on that show for you or or working there and, and that and knowing that hey i i did my best to put them in a good position to put on a, a good show and a fair show and stuff like that so it's great yeah. words no it's uh it was it was fun racing uh racing with you and, and racing at the track when you're running it and it's it's great to see you're still kicking around so yeah. hope, still uh, alive yeah oh yeah no and i hope uh hope we'll get to see you you didn't get blown up in that car yeah and, uh, yeah oh boy no i hope to see you out on track again someday yeah who knows, who knows? you know yeah. i i just may pop up somewhere you never know but you'll see me around i'll be at the racetracks and i i'll still be watching races i was a little busy this summer i didn't get a chance to get out much but but uh, yeah, this year coming up, I'll see if I can sneak out a few times, try to get out to Anthony's track a couple of times, maybe. And yeah, yeah. we'd love to have you. Excellent. Yeah. Right on. Okay. Well, thanks for coming out, buddy. Appreciate it. Well, thank you for uh, having me, both of you guys, and uh, have a happy new year. And uh, you know what we say in the racing business? Good luck. <laughs> We're going to need it. You're going to need it. <laughs> All right, Max. Let's open up that big old mailbag. All right. Let's open her up and get this first question underway. This first one from uh, Lorena Wozni. She wants to know, what big events would you like to race or host and why? Hmm. You can go ahead on that one, Eric. It's probably easier for you. Like, are we talking real life? Yeah. Like, yeah. like, like you know, like, uh... like... That I could actually make it to or... In yeah. general, no boundaries. Okay. Say like well, the chili bowls. bowls. Yeah, well, chili bowls. Uh, I, I hope it's a realistic one for me in the next little while. I would love to get down there, uh, raising my buddy Jory Hughes. He's he's going down. I'm gonna wish him some good luck here. Um, he's qualifying on Taco Tuesday, so Taco. keep your eyes peeled for that. Number eleven H to the front. Um, uh, but no, that's one I definitely like to do. Uh, and then there's the, I mean, the big one for me, the biggest race in the world, in my opinion, is the Indy 500. Um, that one. And yeah, I realize that my phone's probably not going to ring, uh, <laughs> come the month of May. But, uh, for me, that's, that's the biggest one in the world. If you let me pick one to go do, that would be, that would be something else to be part of that whole spectacle. And even just to go watch it in itself would be, would be pretty interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there, there's a reason why that place holds like 400,000 people. And uh, for quite a while was the largest spectator uh, venue in the world. So, yeah, that would uh, that, that would be it for me. Now, say for the Chili Bowl, because I know uh, some guys 
do end up doing it, would you ever rent a ride or would you rather wait until you're up to par with your own equipment? Um, I, I wouldn't want to just show up and drive a car I've never driven. Right. Um, the beauty about the short track, the uh, track being that short is that you probably could practice a little bit in the field at home. Um, because it, it is such a different deal. So, um, I, I would probably want to buy a, a decent car and do that. But I mean, even if I did, it's still pretty tempting. You can see some pretty good, uh, you know, decent looking equipment for not ridiculous amounts when you realize that they bring it there with all the tires and fuel and crew and everything. And you just show up, you put your seat into it before the event and you drive um so yeah i I would love to own my own car but i'm definitely not bankrolling a seventy thousand dollar toyota engine so i don't know but it probably wouldn't be the seventy thousand dollar toyota engine level competitive either so it'd be weird showing up to a race knowing that you don't really have a shot at making it to the a yeah you know but i mean unless you get extremely lucky on your qualifying night that's kind of weird and i'm not a super huge fan of that um you know, that, gotta oh, be lucky to be I good, can... Eric. Gotta be lucky to be yeah. good. Yeah. Oh, I know, but we know your luck with that, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know. Um, I don't know. It's. Uh, I'm. I'm not sure we try to go with that yet, but we'll see. All right. So not out of the not out of the question for you. Makes sense. Yeah. Now, uh, now, Anthony, this one, I guess you could you could probably answer because I know. Uh, I know this is more geared towards you. Uh, coming from Chris Seymour, what plans do you have to increase your weekly or even uh, nightly car count? Well, you can have all the plans in the world and they may not deliver. But um, we try to we try to keep it so that we have a good start pay um, because I do know there's a large number of people that travel. And even if they're not traveling from Winnipeg, if they're traveling from Emo or Dryden, like we have some regulars from from Dryden and Sioux Lookout uh, or people who are on the other side of town. And so we try to, we try to make it so that, you know, we pay out a little bit more than what we would collect in the back gate, uh, which it's good and a bad thing. I mean, if the grandstand is helping to pay for the payout, it it does mean less money uh, going to the racetrack. But then again, if you don't have a, a good field of cars, then it's hard to, get a good crowd long term so that's one of the things that we do um the other thing is really trying hard to find some sort of consistency in the rule package in particular with the pure stocks uh it's been proving difficult the last couple of years but i'm hoping we'll come up with a solution that will allow access to race here um, from all racetracks in our area that run a similar yet different rule package uh, and the last thing is is really just, you know, trying to promote locally um, to get more drivers involved. I mean, I try my best to reach out to people that I think might be interested in racing and try to advertise cars that are for sale, uh, maybe in the region, uh, onto more local uh, media uh, and, and try to work with the drivers that we do have locally that are racing right now to try to get their friends involved. Uh, even if it's just a fan to start or, or jump in a ride on a practice or something like that. So 
you know, we got a plan where we're going to run a practice in early May, and then we got a lot of work to do at the track and then run another practice. And my hope is that there's some people who would be willing to at least jump at a friend's four cylinder or something and maybe get some, get some laps and get a feel for what it's like to be out on the track and see if they're willing to get more involved. And I mean, whatever the class might be, I, I know four cylinders are the easiest to get into and the most affordable. Um, you know, we have people that are going from four cylinders into pure stocks this year that are local. They've only been racing for a couple of years. So that's, that's great news to hear. And hopefully we can uh, replace them with, with other new people. So those are just a few things, um, you know, trying to, you know, listen to driver's concerns and, and continue to approve the facility and, and so on. And, and, you know, for our bigger shows like the dinner Jack and all that, try to work to have, you know, good payouts and uh, a good program, you know, we're really trying everything that we can to, to do that in multiple different ways. And, you know, we've had some success up to this point and I hope that that continues. There's a lot of tire kickers out there and I want to make them tire drivers instead uh, of just <laughs> tire kickers. So yeah, we'll see. It's, it's tough, right? It's not, there's not going to be one magic bullet that, uh, that just makes everybody hurry up and buy a race car. It's all improving everything a little bit all the time. And, and I think you did a great job of that out there. So it's, uh, well, thank you. I appreciate hearing that. <laughs> yeah. Well, organic growth, if you're growing a few people every year and they're always, you know, you're continually getting more and more people interested, you'll get to that point where you, uh, you've got, get enough local support that you don't need to have travelers. Travelers are great. They always improve the show, but it'll get there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, take time. when I think of, you know, where we were at in 2019 with three, four cylinders a week, some one time we had none, um, pure stock, same thing. You know, we, uh, in 2019, there was two nights where we had like two cars and this mm-hmm. past year we averaged, like eight or nine or something like that. And, and four cylinders, we averaged, I think 11. So you think it, you know, in three years time and, and you got to think there was COVID on there too, right. Where people were just yeah. kind of like, okay, what do we do with ourselves in terms of spending in terms of interests and so on. Right. So, you know, people don't know what the future was going to look like. And we had people get involved at that time to a certain extent, but this past year, you really saw that happen. You really saw us kind of in a more post COVID or pre-COVID feeling where um, you had people that are just kind of like, yeah, I'm going to give this a go. And I hope that continues. And I and I know there are people out there who have raced over the last few years that, or at least at the beginning, that aren't racing now that want to get back into it when, when things work out for them again. So the hope is that we can bring those people that maybe in 2019 started racing and then had to get out of it for whatever personal reason. And hopefully they'll come back into it and then also have continued new blood coming into it. So, you know, in a lot of the conversations we've had, you know, like I'm not into racing per se, um, you know, I'm not a, into mechanics or anything like that, but there's this, you know, just the entertainment, the fun side of it, I think is just as valuable. Uh, people having fun out there, you learn the other things with time. Um, but if you can get people into the pits, uh, pitting for the other guys, uh, eventually, hopefully they'll get a race car. That's how my brother did it. He just started going to the pit area and started doing some mechanical work. And, you know, three years later he was racing. So I'm hoping that that kind of community involvement will help build the classes over time. Well, I mean, we definitely can't let this, this passion of ours die, especially, you know, with all the, the, 
I don't want to say EPA regulations, but I know, you know, further down in the States, they're trying to crack down on racing and stuff like that. But as long as, as long as we keep getting car counts, that's, that's the main thing. Um, this next question here comes from Sean Wedge, and he says, uh, with the payouts being stagnant for the past few years, I understand the economics of it all, but what could be done to raise them or to attract cars from other areas to make it a destination for racing? Do you want me to answer that one first too, Eric? Do you want to answer that one? Um, yeah, well, I mean, it's, uh that's a that's a tough question it's an age-old one Mm -hmm. we've been trying to answer for a long time yeah um you know a few years ago uh the track promoter in winnipeg there uh when when blair bodley was promoting it we were chatting and it says i think it was at a driver's rep meeting and uh said so if i raise your payouts 15 dollars per person per night do you think that that would make a, a tremendous difference to your guys' programs at the end of the year? Everybody kind of shrugged and said, "Yeah, you know, not really. Mm-hmm. Like fifteen bucks, it's hardly going to notice it at the end of the night." But yeah, well, if I do that, then that's going to charge. That's going to cost me an extra fifty thousand dollars in payout this year, and uh, it, was, it was just an astonishing number. Um. And uh, we looked at it and went like, holy smokes, no shit. Um, as soon as I said $50,000, I think it might have been less than that. Sorry. But it's uh, an whatever it was. But it, I would, I would, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, I would, it was, whatever it was, it was, it was well into the, okay, now, now I'm driving myself nuts here, math guy. Who's in the tens um, of, but uh, you're going to look but, at probably eight to $10,000 on the year. Yeah. 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 Right. You're talking about thousands of dollars. That's so right. 15, so 15 bucks a person. Um, you know, that, that adds up pretty quick. You're starting to give away a lot of your back gate and, uh, and it's not even going to make a huge difference at the end of the day. So to make that jump that we want to see to get back to what the payouts were relative to what cars cost back in their early nineties, that's going to be a really, really tough thing to do. (laughs) Um, and, and like Sean, Sean acknowledged that he, he understands the, uh, the economics. economics of it so so i don't know it's uh it's a really tough one i, I we're not racing to make money everybody knows that mm-hmm. not at our level yeah um but uh i i mean but i don't know it's it's tricky in one of the ways that i look at it is that yeah you know what we're not paying for someone's race program unless and the guy that's winning sometimes they're they're blowing so much money into it in terms of seat time or travel and doing you know four races a week whether they're big budget or not on their car, you know, people who, who might be racing 60 shows in a year uh, or even 30 plus, you know, they go and win a race for a thousand dollars to win. You know, is that making a be all end all for their race program? No. And it's probably not making a be all end all for someone who's finishing in 10th place every week. Um, But in terms of like where Sean's kind of looking at in terms of attracting cars, I mean, you know, Sean's kind of saying like, how do we look at getting higher car counts in general? Uh, not necessarily who are the big wigs that are going to show up every single, you know, come every week instead of maybe for two shows out of the year. And, and for Kenora in particular, I know we're unique because, you know, it's a it's a, a young new track uh, and we're kind of wedged between two other tracks. Um, 
in a new market, essentially, or a market that doesn't know dirt track racing, but definitely knows a lot of other kinds of racing uh, in the past, like ice racing and so on and, and snow machines. So it's, it's kind of like, okay, well, if we want to be able to draw people on a consistent basis, you know, at least try to find a way to help alleviate some of the cost to get to the track, uh, which benefits really well for people who live closer um, because that is more likely to, you know, pay for maybe a tire as well. Um, but for those that are further out, you know, I think of like Alex Muir or Patrick Davis or Edward Bell, or, I mean, it's such a long list. I could go through all the list of people that come every week um, or at least try to. and. I think that they they know that it's not making or breaking whether they show up or not, but I think the the show of appreciation of you know uh, a seventy dollars start pay or or you know you pay twenty five to get in you get fifty dollars back you know an extra twenty five bucks that pays for an extra pit crew I think it goes a long ways at the end of the day and and you know Guy Bedell taught me one of the uh, I feel after almost twenty years of being involved in this sport in this way. Um, gave me the best advice when I first started and we were at the, where the Perkins used to be at uh, University Crescent Pemina and Bishop Grandin, I think there. And I think it's been a four different restaurants since then. But, you know, he said, he's, and I don't know if I've mentioned this on the podcast before, or maybe I have, he said, you know, there's three very important things you need to recognize when operating a racetrack. And one's your sponsors, one's your fans, and one's your drivers. There's other little pieces in there, but those are the three main things. And, and, you know, if you, if you don't treat your fans well, eventually stop coming, which means less money through your gate, which means less cars, which means a shutdown program. If you don't treat your sponsors well, or give them the proper uh, recognition that you need to, or at least, you know, if you don't do your best on that side of it, you lose your sponsors, you lose income, you eventually lose so on and so forth. Or if, you know, you lose your car count, you slowly lose fans, which then you slowly lose sponsors because they don't have the same uh, exposure. So, those three main pieces are, are really valuable. And I've always, ever since he told me that, I've been doing my very best to try to keep those things in mind. And if, if one of those things means that we have to have a little stronger start pay or pay a little bit out of the front gate in order to help cover the back gate payout, well, sometimes you got you to gotta make that happen and, and, and trying to find a balance between all that. You know, every week we, we look at where we can help uh, the program as a whole for the drivers, from the fans, uh, from a financial perspective and the sponsors. And, you know, when we pick up a, a good sponsor, you know, there's a good portion of that goes into helping support the drivers. And, um, you know, we can't make it be great like that all the time. I can't make it $100 to start every single week, but we, we strive to at least uh, do well financially as a racetrack, but also make sure that we appreciate those that put their time and effort into the to making the facility uh, a happening place as well. Yeah, no, that, that's exactly it. It's, uh, you know, I realize in saying, well, 15 bucks doesn't make a difference, so we can't do anything. That's a, that's a different, that pounds are made of ounces, right? That's the way that I look at trying to make a race car lighter. Um it's the same thing. It's all made up of a bunch of little parts. So by working on, uh, on a lot of those things and doing what we can with payout and start pay, I totally agree with that. It sucks when you win and you don't get that much. Uh, but it's a lot nicer to know that you're showing up and you're at least going to get your, whatever your start pay is. If that's increased getting mm -hmm. less than your entry fee back as your start pay always feels like a slap in the face. Right. Yeah. Right. You know, that's not much of a thank you for showing up. So 
knowing that at least you're coming back with a decent amount of start pay, that's uh, th- that I would say would be a better way to, to build on it. Mm-hmm. Um, doing that. And then eventually once the money's there, you can continue to add money to the front end of the grid. Right. But, uh, but building it up so that it, it costs everybody the same to get from home out to the track, some guys more, but there's a certain amount of money involved just to get there ready to race. That's right. And that, uh, nobody should be getting paid less than they paid to get in mm-hmm. to, uh, to be there to help put on the show. So, yeah, definitely yeah. rather you're a racer or, um, you know, track promoter or even a fan. There's, there's so many different ways to go and, and look about it. But yeah, at the end of the day, you know, like you said too, especially with the $15 for you might not be a big thing, but added up all across all the other drivers, you know, that say a fan might not think of, yeah, it's going to add up, but yeah, you find that balance regardless of, you know, if it's start pay and pay, you know, once you find that balance, treat the drivers good, you know, up, up, please the fans with, with the show you're putting on and, you know, hopefully it'll keep the ball rolling. Hey, you know what? We have some direct, like new drivers here in Kenora that never raced before. There was a dirt track here and they can't believe they get money to race. Mm-hmm. Like, like, you know, some people might look and say, Oh, it's only $75. When I sent sent payout to some of our new drivers for the first time, I'm like, what's this for? I'm just like that's your payout. Is it Bill? <laughs> I said that's your payout, sixty bucks, or I think it was seventy dollars. He's just like, well, what do I do with this seventy dollars? I don't know. Put it into your fuel bill. I don't know. He's just like, oh, well, I just thought I was paying twenty five bucks to go turn twenty laps and have some fun. I said, well, you are, <laughs> but yeah. here's your money. <laughs> yeah, use it to get in next week. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. This is how you come back next week because you got more money back, so you can just go for it. So, you know, I I think that it, especially for new people getting into the sport, they don't realize that. Yeah, you know what? If if you keep at it and you keep moving up in the standings or on a race day, well, it starts it starts to pay for itself a little bit. I think we've mentioned before in the podcast how, um, you know, the 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 better you do week in week in, week in and week out the less expensive your season is. Yeah. Just because you're getting more money as a result. I mean, I know when when uh, my brother in 2016, you know, won five of the first nine races, I think, I don't know, there was like three grand in, in winnings in the first nine races of the season. Well, geez, if you were going on that trend the whole season, by the time you're done, you'd probably bring in seven, eight, nine thousand dollars on the year, which in terms of like fuel bill and tire bill and stuff like that, that covers a lot of expenses. But, you know, if you're finishing 15th or 20th every week, it, it's a lot tougher go. Oh yeah, for sure. No, that's, that's the best. And that's where, you know, your, your payout is fairly, uh, is about optimal. If you're running top three every week and you're not really having to go into your own pocket for very many race day expenses, then that's about right. You shouldn't be getting a whole bunch more than that. Right. Uh, I mean, again, we're not trying to, that money's probably better spent somewhere else, either closer to the back half of the grid or whatever. But yeah, um, yeah no, I've definitely enjoyed that, uh, that sensation before of, Hey, when you're getting, you know, you're always going home with a few hundred bucks and unless anything goes terribly wrong. Uh, yeah. It's not too bad. It doesn't cost you that much week to week. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh yeah. So we just do what, do what you can, you know, 
we try to make it work and we'll just see, <laughs> see how things go long term. I mean, yeah, that's about all I have to say on that. <laughs> <laughs> we could go on for another hour. Well, of course we could. Yeah. No, but I think um, I think we'll end it off there. Uh, I want to definitely keep some questions for our next mailbag. Uh, I can't can't give away all the the juicy questions right off the bat here. Um, so that that's going to be it for for me tonight. I uh, I know uh, that interview is definitely going to be a good listen for our f- listeners. So uh, mm-hmm. without further ado, yeah, I'll no, hand it off to you guys. Right on, man. Well, no, thanks for uh, thanks for joining back in, and we'll uh, yeah, we'll see what we got got in store for next week. I'm yeah, not actually sure right now. So we'll, we never know uh, until we do it. <laughs> it's always shooting from the hip, baby. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Ed. Uh, well, thank you so much, everybody, for listening. We appreciate your time. We hope you enjoyed it. We will catch you next time on Bench Racing Radio. Thanks for listening to Bench Racing Radio. Like and follow our social media handles. Facebook at Bench Racing Radio. Twitter at Bench Racing Rat 1. Or Instagram at Bench Racing Radio.